So great to have you with us on another edition of the Strip Till Farmer Podcast, brought to you by Pluribus Light from Dawn Equipment. My name is Noah Newman, Associate Editor. Let's talk about a pioneer poll that asked U.S. corn growers how their crop was faring with drought stress this season. Well, more than 50% responded that they were seeing moderate to severe signs of stress in their corn. So for this week's edition of the podcast, Strip Till Farmer Managing Editor Michaela Paulkner catches up with Pioneer Agronomy Manager Dan Burning and Marketing Manager Scott Walker as they explain how to navigate through drought conditions and they share tips on how to prepare for next year. Without further ado, here's Dan and Scott. Scott Walker, I'm the corn marketing manager for Western U.S., basically Mississippi River to the Rocky Mountains, Canadian border down to the Rio Grande Valley. And Dan Burning, I'm the agronomy manager that covers a lot of that same area that Scott just described. So working with our, our sales team to really bring crop management information to help our, our growers get the best out of the, the Pioneer products that they that they would be planting. Perfect. All right. So today we're talking about corn yields and drought. Can you give us a brief overview of what areas of the U.S. are experiencing drought-like conditions and feeling the impacts of drought this year? It's pretty widespread, unfortunately, this year. Uh, it's, it's pretty much uh, a lot of what we would consider to be the Western Corn Belt, uh, part of the U.S. That, that's really impacted. And it really gets into the western half of Iowa and pretty much everything west of that is, is dealing with some pretty significant drought. Even on some of our lighter soils in, in say, like southeast Iowa, there are some some late season drought conditions, but uh, as we get into uh, areas of uh, northeast Nebraska, northwest Iowa, and then out on the high plains, they've been dealing with kind of a chronic drought conditions all season long. And actually, it really was that stage was set from a year ago. They were faced with some of those dry conditions, so they had very little subsoil moisture build up on them through the winter time, and then that just kind of rolled into the growing season this year. And, and lack of normally expected rainfall has just compounded that intensity of drought. So just as an example of that is many of our growers who have irrigation in Nebraska were pre-watering this spring, so they were putting water down ahead of planting to, to put some moisture in the ground, and that's, that's not very common, is that's it? It's pretty unusual in, in Nebraska. You know, they'll do that on the high plains where they got some very low capacity irrigation wells, but uh, in most areas of, of Nebraska, that's that's a pretty uncommon practice, but it was pretty broadly uh, applied this year. So with those drought conditions that started already last year, before the season started, how has that impacted the corn crop's growth up to this point? Well, it, early season when you when you have those those dry conditions, you know, some of the challenges that, that you can deal with are, are really just even getting a good uniform stand established, you know, if you don't have good moisture in, in that seed zone. So we saw some growers last spring, they were trying to plant a little deeper to get into to better moisture. But as a result, you know, just tended to see a little more variability in, in emergence, you know. So, so uh, you can see that now when you look at plant, the uniformity of ear size and, and placement may not be as, as consistent as what we would ideally like to see. And some of that was really set from, from the very beginning. Uh, other issues that, that growers are dealing with as a result of the drought is just, 
you know, do you have enough of that subsoil moisture to get good root penetration and good root development, you know, which, which obviously that is going to support the crop all season long and, and uh, how well or what amount of space you're really pulling that moist subsoil moisture from to, to help support the, the crop throughout the season. So as we get into pollination period, you know, if, it, if the crop's under severe stress at that point, we can interfere with the uh, how successful that pollination is uh, or how many kernels might actually set on, on that kernel. As we get into the late season drought through that grain field, you know, again, it can, can uh, impact how many kernels are retained on that ear or how many might be aborted or sloughed off. And then also, uh, you know, how well or how deep those kernels set, you know, if we got enough moisture to, to carry the crop all the way through the season. So how does that affect the test weight then, Dan? Well, we could expect to see a little lower test weight, you know, if we don't get that full kernel depth or that, that full starch accumulation in, into that kernel that, that we would uh, expect under more, more normal type, type of conditions. So, you know, unfortunately, some growers, they've been affected by all of that happening all throughout the whole whole growing season so some of that may may be affecting growers all the way through but but uh, typically we expect that in the most impactful drought stress is going to be that flowering stage you know getting that successful pollination and successful kernel set probably the most frequent occurrence is that late season drought you know that that uh, we've got the the tall crop out there using a lot of water but we just are running out of, of those subsoil moisture reserves, maybe not getting quite enough rainfall to keep up with the full demands of the crop. And so we can see that late season kernel fill restriction a little bit. Can still have some good yields in the face of drought, but this year the intensity and the length of, of period that we're seeing that drought occur uh, is, is just a little stronger, you know, so, or quite a bit stronger in some areas, you know, with, with a, a greater intensity and, and the, the length of drought that, that we're experiencing. So. so as many of our listeners know, uh, we know no-till and strip-till conserve soil moisture with that residue on there. So have you seen your no-till and strip-till customers faring better through the drought? It hangs on a little bit longer, you know, uh, gives you a little more opportunity to catch that rain to actually build, build some uh, grain to, to give you that opportunity. So yes, you know, doing doing what growers, you know, that that's kind of the advantages of that no-till or, or strip-till. A lot of growers in those areas that do tend to be a little more drought prone, you know, they, they like to leave that crop residue standing in, in the field as best they can to capture any winter moisture, any snowfall and things like that uh, a little bit better. And then preserve that by reducing or eliminating that, that tillage operation. So keeping as much of that soil moisture preserved in, in the soil as they can. And quite frequently, you're going to see that, that advantage carry through carry you deeper into that growing season when you don't have the, the growing season rainfall occurring. Using this year, when do you think that the no-tillers and the strip-tillers really started to feel the impact of the drought? It was from the very beginning, I'd say, okay. you know, that, that you know, uh, having that residue on, on the, the surface provided a little bit more of a mulch. Actually, you know, could give you several examples. This this spring we had some very high intense winds 
And even at that point, you know, the, the no-till, strip-till, where we had some crop residue out there, we were seeing less wind erosion taking place. Uh, uh, fields that were, were cleaned, you know, either through tillage or unfortunately some wildfire situations or things like that. Uh, we, we were seeing some pretty intense uh, wind erosion at, at that point. Once we uh, got the crop planted, then, you know, having that, that residue out there helped make ensure that we had more moisture right there in that seed zone and, and getting getting the crop up and, and started at that point. And then as we got deeper into the growing season, again, uh, preserving that, that moisture, even though it seems like it's, it's not a lot of, of moisture that we save, every drop becomes critical when you're in these chronic drought situations to carry you a little bit farther into the season again and, and give you a chance to get to that next rain. So what are some of the signs of drought stress on that? Some of the real obvious ones, uh, early season, it, it might be just kind of suppressing the, the growth rate of, of the crop. So a little bit shorter, shorter crop. Uh, early season, typically you, you'll see as, it, as that drought becomes a little more intense, the leaves will roll up as that plant is trying to protect itself from, from the drought, and reduce the evaporation loss or transpiration loss through, through that. Uh, as it becomes progresses into even more intense drought, you'll tend to see some of that, that tissue in the leaf will stint, tend to scald or flash, uh, just kind of as, as those cells are losing moisture and or not having enough moisture to, to sustain themselves, they start to die out. So you'll see that kind of uh, flashing or scalding of, of the leaf. If it happens during the flowering stage, it can reduce the amount of silk elongation and the ability to, to pollinate successfully. Uh, and then late season, it'll tend to be, uh, again, lower or shallower kernel depth. And at any, any time along that, you can continue to see some of that leaf flashing or scalding of, of the plant and, and premature death. If, so if premature uh, death, will they see the ears kind of lay down? Yeah, as, as that plant loses it, it's a turgor pressure of, of having enough moisture within that stalk and within that ear shank. You'll see those ears start to tip down prematurely and it'll crimp that ear shank in some cases. And then uh, that can be a little more subject to uh, eardrop a little bit later on at that crimp point. If we get a lot of winds, it can kind of tear loose at that point and, and see that ear fall on the ground. We also, I know uh, just here recently, this weekend even, there's lower turgor pressure in that stock under these drought conditions. So we had a wind, a storm front blow through and it crimped or broke over some stocks even, you know, again, just not enough water within that stock to give it the rigidity to have the standability that we would normally like to see. So, so yeah, unfortunately, there's there's a lot of compounding factors that, you know, to keep to, building on themselves. Exactly, keep building on themselves. So timely harvest is going to be important in order to, to uh, harvest as much of the, the crop that has been made uh, as to the, to the best of our ability. Uh, I'm afraid that, you know, under some of these situations, that eardrop potential, but also the uh, potential to, to see a little less stock integrity in, in some of these situations where they've had some chronic drought issues as well. So, so everything we can do to, to help preserve the soil moisture for the next year's crop and, and then uh, making sure that we can get good root development penetration 
to, to really uh, into the subsoil is kind of the strategy for, for no-till and strip-till. Okay. Uh, for no-till specifically, what can no-tillers do right now to maximize their yields if they're dealing with drought? So for this year, it's just, it's going to be a matter of timely harvest, you know, okay. uh, again, kind of expecting that if, if we've been under a chronic drought situation, uh, our stock integrity, our, our uh, ear retention may be a little bit less than, than what we would normally like to see. So uh, trying to get that crop out of the field as quick as we can would be uh, the best management practice that, that's still available to us. Uh, for the next crop, you know, then leaving, leaving that residue out there and, and um, you know, to capture as much winter moisture as, as we can for the next crop. Let's burn a time out and thank our sponsor, Pluribus Light from Dawn Equipment. Dawn is bringing today's innovative farmers a new strip-till product from the regenerative ag-focused underground agriculture brand. The Pluribus Light is priced like a strip freshener, but it offers the features and performance to be used in the fall or the spring as a primary strip-tiller or strip freshener. Check out the Pluribus Light at dawnequipment.com. Now, back to the podcast. Is timely harvest the best thing that strip killers can do as well who are in these droughts? It's going to be a very, very similar situation for them, you know, so just kind of monitoring that and prioritizing which fields maybe they need to come out first and, and harvest as timely as we can. What are some of the factors that you use to prioritize which fields should be I would go out and, and start doing maybe some pinch tests on the, the stock, just uh, on the, the lower half of the stock, just, just doing a little bit of pinch or, or push the stocks over a little bit and see if, if uh, some fields are, are more prone to breakage or, or lodging than, than others. And so using that as, as one of the primary, you know, uh, factors out there. If some fields have a little bit better stay green than another field, the ones with better stay green probably are going to have a little bit better standability. So those are probably going to be the two things, you know, look, look for visual stay green and then do the pinch test to see, see if you can s detect differences in stock integrity. Uh, so then we're also talking about today uh, how hybrid selection helps manage drought stress. So do you... Tell us how hybrid selection helps to manage that. That's a critical piece, you know, uh, finding those hybrids that are, are best adapted to those drought scenarios out there. Sometimes uh, uh, even when you pick the best drought tolerant hybrid, if you don't have enough water, you know, it, it may just be the last to die, you know. <laughs> but ideally, you know, it, it again, it's giving you a little more opportunity to catch, catch that rain. Uh, we do a lot of a very intense testing and characterization for drought tolerance within within Corteva. And we have our Optimum Aquamax products that are really designed to fit that drought environment. You know, those those hybrids have been developed that, that they've got some some characteristics like like faster, better root development deeper into the subsoil moisture earlier in the season. They tend to have a little more control of the stomates of the leaves that are letting water vapor transpire through that uh, plant. So, so it uh, controls the amount of water, or re reduces the amount of water that, that's, that's being evaporated or transpired through that crop a little bit better. And then just some things like just 
trying to make sure that our silk emergence is, is synchronized with the pollen shed, even under drought conditions. Sometimes drought can throw that off. So these, these hybrids have been developed to, to optimize that, that pollination uh, synchronization as, as well. So, so that and then just other traits that, that, you know, trying to give us more reliable opportunity to produce a crop uh, when, when we're faced with these chronic drought situations. And to just add on to that is, is our Aquamax product before we, during the research, we, we put them through extensive testing um, in, in these drought conditions. So the fruit, they have to pass it. I think it's three years of severe drought testing to be labeled if they, they meet all the criteria that they unstated to be labeled an Aquamax product. Yeah. We, we've got some research locations that are in some very dry areas of the world and then we can use some things like drip tape irrigation to really dial in the level of stress and the timing of stress that we want to evaluate to, to really uh, make sure that we've got those those reliable products. And then we've got the network of, of the pioneer team, the agronomists, the sales reps, the territory managers that really study these products and, and really work on, on making sure that we get them placed right for the growers own, own field environments and, and situations. So working with that local team, I think really helps dial in which products are going to have the best opportunity for success within their local geographies as well. Uh, what are some of the locations where you are putting the crops or the hybrids through the severe drought conditions for testing? So some of the areas that, that we typically do that type of managed stress testing uh, is, is in uh, California. Uh, we've, we've got areas out there that, that they get very little in-season rainfall. And then uh, in Chile, again, we've got an area there that, that uh, has less than four inches of in-season rainfall. So, so we know it's gonna be a dry environment and, and again, using trip tape, we can dial that in. But even some of our locations out on, on the high plains, like around Lubbock, Texas, Garden City, Kansas, uh, North Platte, Nebraska, we've got locations uh, across there that, that are doing similar testing as, as well to, to really help us um, select and characterize those products at very early stages. Mm -hmm. And then uh, as we get into later stages of, of evaluation before we get to that commercial advancement, we have now in hundreds of locations across the country in what we call impact trials. So we can test them in those real world environments and inevitably we're gonna have drought is gonna occur somewhere, somewhere. in, and, in and the those, country. Those are actually on your farms. Yes. Like drought. So it's in the yeah. environment like we're in today. Right. And they'll be under different crop management, you know, the, the no-till, the strip-till, conventional till. Uh, we, we really test them across all those types of uh, practices and environments as well. Interesting. Uh, so knowing that right now we have very little moisture, and if this continues, what can no-tillers and strip-tillers be doing to set themselves up for a good season next year for, for next year preparing for next year so uh kind of watch that that uh, do what you can to to make sure uh, we're preserving the soil moisture with the residue that, that we're going to leave out there uh, we may want to think about uh, making sure that we're eliminating competition from weed competition and in some cases that may mean that you know if we do get a little bit of precipitation here in the fall uh, maybe even using some some herbicide systems 
to to eliminate that that fall wheat growth and and eliminate the get that wheat control all year all year long, not just in the spring, but make sure that we don't have some of those winter annual weeds coming up and competing for that moisture early in the season. Uh, as we get into uh, harvesting as well. Uh, just thinking about some some of those field operations and make sure we're eliminating compaction. Uh, so so we don't want to have that root restriction. So eliminating compaction and weed control would be some some fall practices to watch out for. As we get into the spring uh, and and start preparing for for our crop, then again uh, making sure that we're planting when soils are fit and not creating compaction at, at that point, whether it's, you know, uh, hard pans or even the, uh, what we call sidewall smear in the, in the seed trench if, if we're planting under too wet conditions. So we may want to consider, consider that. Those, those are going to be some of the major considerations, just making sure that, that we're not doing anything to restrict root development, managing the, the weed control, and then also watching for things like uh, insects that, that we might want to watch for. Uh, and then you'd mentioned the hybrid selection, you know, that's going to be a key part of that planning and selecting for next year as well. That's what I was going to say, make sure you're, you're, you're working with your local pioneer sales reps and, and making sure you're getting some Aquamax products on your farm so you can essentially protect yourself a yeah. little insurance package to make sure you have right. the product there. Right. So, and then you're, if, if we go into the spring then the, and we're still dry, what, what's your recommendation on planting depth? Yeah, like to get into to moisture. So I like to see it planted two inches regardless, you know, and if, if it's too wet to plant two inches, we need to wait a little bit. But, you know, we can go a little deeper if we need to, if we're under really dry conditions, which some growers were faced with this, this past year, that may have to go as deep as two and a half or, or maybe even three inches deep if, if they need to, to make sure they're getting in good, reliable moisture conditions. Um, the other thing that should probably mention is, is soil fertility. You know, good soil fertility, good balanced soil fertility, uh, not only nitrogen management, but things like phosphorus and potassium are also going to help that crop deal with drought stress better, you know, with, with good adequate fertility. Uh, drought stress will tend to compound other stresses. So if it's under some kind of a uh, nutrition stress due to, to lack of, of adequate soil fertility, or, or things like that, uh, it'll just be a compounding effect. So it, it can really help that crop be able to handle drought better if, if, uh, if it's not undergoing some nutrient stress as well. Yeah, you're essentially controlling the things you can't control and setting it up to right. survive the thing you can't. <laughs> right. So don't get too conservative, I guess. You know, I, I understand that, you know, under, under some of these drought scenarios, uh, we feel like our yield potential is somewhat limited, but we still want to manage for the realistic yield goals that, that we're trying to achieve out there uh, when it comes to all those other crop input decisions. Okay. And then how do cover crops affect a corn crop that's growing in drought conditions? So cover crops, there, there is a concern that, that maybe cover crops just add a little more competition for, for that. Uh, it, it depends a little bit on, on the situation that, that, that we're dealing with. And in a lot of areas throughout the, the Corn Belt, cover crops can, can kind of help us by, by uh, reducing some of the uh, weed competition that, that we're going to have. We put the, the cover crop out there 
uh, throughout the winter time when normally we would expect the the soil moisture is going to be readily available so so we're not really losing that excess moisture to, to the crop at, the, at that point as we get into the spring we'll terminate that that cover crop and then it acts like a mulch to help preserve moisture and and, uh, and help control weeds so so it's acting like a, a residue mulch for us as we get farther west in areas like say on the high plains where where they tend to be a little more drought prone or, or chronic in that again uh, the the implementation of cover crops might vary a little bit from year to year depending on what their subsoil moisture status is going into the fall when they're making those seeding decisions and uh, whether they feel like they've got enough to uh, sustain a, a winter cover crop or whether they they want to uh, forego that for that year and, and uh, save as much moisture as they can for, for the uh, row crop that they're going to plant the following year. So in those western conditions, if the, a farmer would decide to plant the cover crop is there a chance that the cover crop would use up all the moisture before they plant the row crop? It, it could be another competing factor, you know, if, if we have a year that, that we have extremely low uh, winter moisture to, to help uh, build up those subsoil reserves. So in those situations, you know, you don't see as much cover crops implemented on, on what would be a true dry land or, or rain-fed environment but would be used more under those irrigated scenarios where, where they might be able to, to supplement that soil moisture through, through some rainfall. And then again, just kind of the same thing, using the cover crop for the benefits around, you know, or building up your organic matter, your, your soil health, your microbial environment in, in, uh, by having a, a living crop all year round. And then also uh, that weed control and, and preserving soil moisture when you can terminate the crop. But you might need to have that supplemental irrigation to, to help get it through the fall and the winter time. Okay, uh, was there anything else that either of you wanted to add that I haven't asked you about? Uh, off the top of my head, I'd say, you know, again, you know, if, if growers uh, are, are faced with some of these challenges, visit with your Pioneer sales rep. You know, uh, we've, we've got some, some great resources and information around uh, how we can maybe manage that crop to, to get the most we can under these drought scenarios, how we can deal with some of the situations we're faced with, even though it's not really what we want as far as uh, uh, evaluating that, that standing crop for, for harvest priority, and then obviously the, the hybrid selection and, and crop selection for, for the next year. You know, it's uh, the, the the great thing about the American farmers is that eternal optimism that next year is going to be better and, yeah. and we know it's going to be different. You know, eventually. Most farmers have what, about 35, 40 opportunities. Yep. So yep. A lot of our areas, yeah, a lot of the areas in the Western Corn Belt, we're going to be faced with drought occasionally, but there's going to be better years as well. So. And that'll wrap things up for this week's edition of the podcast. Thanks to Dan Burning and Scott Walker for joining us. Thanks to Michaela Paulkner for hosting. Thanks to our sponsor, Pluribus Light from Dawn Equipment. Check out their products at dawnequipment.com. And of course, thank you once again for listening. We really appreciate it. And until next time, for all things strip till, head to striptillfarmer.com. <laughs>